You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. It's Robin McMahon here, and I have a really important episode for you this week. It is really important that we talk about social media and especially Instagram. And so I have a very special guest here. Her name is um, Vaishnavi, and she's here from Instagram to talk to us as parents on how our kids can use their app safely. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She's Instagram's head of safety, collaborating with external experts as well as internal policy and product teams to ensure Instagram continues to be a safe and healthy space for its community. At Instagram, Vaishnavi focuses on the physical and mental well-being of children ranging from sexual exploitation of minors to self-injury, suicide, and mental health, as well as as the well-being of adults ranging from non-consensual intimate images to human exploitation and harassment. Holy cow, that's a big job. Welcome. Welcome. Thank Thank you so much for having me, Robin. So nice to be here. Well, I am, I am honored to have you and excited to talk to you because these are really big issues that you're facing that as parents, we're all afraid of, quite frankly. So uh, I want to talk about the announcements that you had uh, that, that just came out last week. What, what can you tell me about those new announcements? What's new and what are you doing right now? Yeah, sure. So on July 27th, on Tuesday, we announced a number of changes to keep uh, young people on Instagram safer and more private. The first thing that we announced is that we are defaulting all new teens who sign up under the age of 16 who sign up to Instagram uh, to private accounts. Um, If you're an existing teen on the platform, we will, you know, surface you a notification letting you know that uh, you should think about your privacy settings. Uh, We also introduced new restrictions around adults whom we consider to be potentially suspicious. These are people who haven't necessarily broken any rules yet, but they're just demonstrating some suspicious behavior. We're preventing them from being able to discover or follow teens on Instagram. Um, This kind of builds on some work that we did at the start of the year, where we actually prevented all adults from being uh, able to message teens who don't follow them on Instagram. So this really is like a continuation of that work. Uh, And then the third thing that we announced is that we are going to be restricting the targeting options available to advertisers uh, for teens. Um, And this is going to be global across Instagram, Facebook, and Messenger. They won't be able to target teens on any other basis besides age, gender, and location. 
And as you can imagine, as I've just described these changes, a lot of these changes depend on us actually knowing who is a teen and who's an adult. So we shared some, you know, initial thoughts on some of the complexities around understanding age online and how we're investing and trying to find solutions. So that's something that we shared that's more foundational. Uh, And then finally, I think we kind of acknowledged that we can't do this alone. Um, We announced uh, seven new advisors that we're bringing on board um, to help advise us on how to build youth products across the company. They're joining an existing group of youth advisors that we've had since 2017. And uh, they're a really great group of people are excited to be getting their feedback. So that was everything that we announced in uh, in one day. So that's that's great. So so what I heard you say is new to the platform. If you're a teenager, uh, you said 16 and under, mm-hmm. you are essentially not given a choice. You have a private account. You don't have a public account. Correct. So we default you to a private account. That means that when you're joining by default, you'll be uh, you'll have a private account. But there's good reasons to have public accounts. And so we don't want to take that choice away. So you could be a teen athlete. You could be a teen creator, an activist. We've seen so many teen activists Mm. coming up and raising awareness about important issues. So there's good reasons to have a public account. So they still have that choice. I will say that in some of the initial tests that we did, um, eight out of 10 teens whom we defaulted into private continue to accept those settings as they went through. So generally speaking, like teens are are looking for more private experiences. And I think us defaulting them into that is a good way to still maintain a sense of control that they can make a change if they want to. Okay, that's that's great. Um, and then you have restrictions on some suspicious adult activity. So how would you, how do you, how do you figure that piece out? So you've identified adults that that may be suspicious and do they then know that they are one of these adults that you have mm-hmm. that sort of figured out? Yeah, that's this was actually a really big um, development for us. As you know, um, if someone breaks our rules, if some if an adult behaves in a way that's broken our rules, we would remove their content, we would disable the account. These are not adults who have broken our rules, but they're behaving in ways that suggest that teens may not want to hear from them or be in contact with them. Um, there's a number of different signals that we've been using. We've developed a lot of technology around this, um, but one example of something I can share that we're thinking about is um, an adult who has been blocked repeatedly by multiple teens in a short period of time, that seems to be, you know, a pretty good indicator that teens don't actually want to hear from this adult for some reason. Um, there's a number of other indicators as well. This is just one of them, but it gives us a sense that, okay, we're going to prevent you from discovering uh, teens on the platform. And then if you do discover a teen, we're not going to be able to follow them. Okay. So there usually is some sort of report or blocking in, in order to help you identify who these people are. It's one signal. We have a number of other signals okay. that are, you know, it's a, it's fairly complex, but yeah, it's definitely one of the signals we look at. Okay. Okay. And so tell me about the, the restricting of the targeting of teens for advertisers. So um, what, what kind of, can, can you tell me what kind of advertisers are normally targeting teens or, um, you know, what kind of ads will they see? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, we think that ads are 
valuable and relevant. They help you make informed choices about what you want to purchase. They kind of connect you with something that you need. But we also know that teens don't necessarily want to or are able to think about all those choices around the types of ads that they want to see. So for example, if you are someone with a keen interest in music or basketball, you may have an advertiser targeting you with basketball or music related content. Mm-hmm. Um, until you're now, until you're 18 and 19 in some countries, um, you won't be able to, you won't get those types of ads unless they're targeting you based on your age, gender, and or location. So it wouldn't be very specific to the types of interest that you have it's kind of a broader targeting category which i think is a great balance that we've struck once you turn 18 we'll you know take you through a flow to help you understand your ad setting controls and preferences you can go through and choose you know what types of ads you do and don't want to see but until you're 18 we're going to make that a little easier for you as a teenager okay okay so so then that that really talks about you knowing the age of your users mm-hmm. right and so um yeah and so there's also that correlation between the age of users looking to to try to uh, try to speak to younger people as well right because how mm-hmm. do you know if who you're talking to is a teenager or is you know a predator or a, a an adult Yeah, age is a really challenging issue, and it's one that the entire industry faces and has faced for quite some time. Um, I think any solution is going to have to look at a number of different options, and we shared a couple of different ways for thinking about it. So the first one is we're investing in technology to help us better understand if someone is an adult or a teen on our platforms, looking at their behaviors and their signals that they're sharing online. But the second solution that we're looking at is potentially partnering with industry um, and not just like other companies, other tech companies or social media companies, but really looking at operating systems, um, website providers, like device providers. Can they be a part of any solution to find age? Um, and then one thing that, you know, regularly gets said to us is why don't, why, why don't you just collect IDs? Why don't you just, you know, mm. ask people for their IDs? And the reality is, and I, I mean, you have two teens, I'd love to you know, know your view. A lot of teens don't have IDs until, you know, they get their driver's license, right? And it's in the U.S. In the rest of the world, I mean, I grew up in Singapore. I didn't have an ID until I was 15. So what do I do until then? Am I just like shut off from the internet? Is that the solution? It's not equitable and it's not fair for like a very large part of the world. Mm. There's also good reasons why someone may not want to share their ID with a large corporation. Um, I don't know that I would have felt very comfortable doing that as a teenager. Um, And so we need to think of like more solutions beyond that. It has to be, it has to touch on many different aspects Mm. together. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's very true. My kids don't have ID other than their social insurance number, <clears throat> which I definitely don't want to share <laughs> at all. Right. Ever, right. Right? Fair enough. Exactly. Yeah. Why would you want to share that? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. And uh, uh, yeah, that sensitive information you definitely don't want out there. So I see that. I, I see what you're saying. And uh, and I, I don't know. I don't know what, you know. And, and that's why this conversation is so important because as parents, we can't just be afraid of it and then say no to it. We've got to learn as well what the app 
can do uh, and where there are where there's potential for our kids to get caught because at the end of the day we want our kids to be safe and what i really like is that you're also saying you want kids to be safe right like look they're going to use the platform let's be honest they're going to use it and if they're using it then you want to do the best that you can to keep them safe and as parents we do too and so this really leads me into talking about um the parents guide that you have so i've been through this whole parents guide this is something you can download from the parent toolbox at parent-toolbox.com and and thank you for for letting us have access to this and the great thing is it's in every possible language that you can think of it's very um it's very easy to consume um and so so let me tell you what what it's like um in in the parenting worlds right so when i'm talking to parents and even friends and their child has done something they don't like right or has posted something that they think is inappropriate that that don't that go against the family rules or their values or or what have you the first thing that they do and and it it's not even about them posting maybe they've gotten in trouble maybe their their kids bullying them or whatever whatever is to take the device away, mm. right? And, and I personally never think that's a very good solution uh, for lots of different reasons, but we take it away because we don't know what else to do, right? And so what, what I know now, which I think uh, parents are starting to learn is that we can do a lot within the app through the settings, right? And so you have this parent guide that that step-by-step -step walks parents through all of the different safety features. And so I want to talk about some of those really quickly because I know what it's like. And, and I have seen my, my oldest son, um, I've seen kids not be nice to him uh, online, you know, and, uh, and say, you know, mean things. And, and, I, and I know, I see that, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to unfollow them because he doesn't want to be called out. Oh, like, oh, you know, and then mm -hmm. there's more bullying, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I can't believe it. You know, he's totally chicken, like, you know, all this stuff, right? All the nasty stuff. So if we can go through some of this, so first and foremost, account privacy, right? And we talked about that in terms of it being a private account versus mm -hmm. a public account. Mm -hmm. um, and then there is the option to have a close friends list. I had no idea. You can just choose your friends that you want as close friends and mm -hmm. share specific content with them. Yeah, I mean, what we hear a lot from teens and from young people is that, you know, there's many sides of themselves that they're sharing with the world. And so close friends is a way for them to really show off their kind of their goofy, vulnerable, kind of authentic side with a small group of people whom they know and trust. And then the, you know, the broader list of their followers may include folks that they knew 10 years ago in uh, high school, or it may include folks that they, you know, kind of generally know, but don't know too well. So close friends, I think, really allows for that authenticity to come through. Um, one thing that I think about a lot is this idea that young people today are really like native to the internet, like they grew up on the internet. I did not, um, without revealing my age, like I did not grow up on the internet. I, uh, you know, got my first, I think, email account, I think when I was maybe 
a teenager, um, whereas there's people, you know, who had email accounts since they were actual children. Yeah, um, elementary so, yeah. Right, exactly. And and so there isn't really this concept of online and offline anymore. It's just a, I heard someone once describe it as there's no online and offline. There's really just like asleep and awake. Like your online life is your real life. It's part of who you are. And so having options like close friends, you know, ways in which you can control your sharing experiences, I think can be really valuable. The other tool that I really like, um, I don't know if you're supposed to have favorite tools, but this is definitely like in, in my top list of favorite tools, yeah. um, is our restrict tool, which kind of addresses that issue that you mentioned, you know, about people not being nice to, to say your son or him not wanting to, you know, he, him maybe not wanting to unfollow them. What he can do then is restrict them. So when he restricts them, they will still be able to leave comments on his posts and he can still see them. They're still mutual followers, but nobody else will be able to see their comments on his post until he's reviewed them and approved them. Uh, yes. Same thing goes for messages. If they slide into his DMs, um, it'll go straight into the message request folder, which means that, you know, they won't know when he's actually read the, the message. So it gives them a lot of control. I've, I've heard a lot of teens describe it as like a, a soft block. I don't want to completely cut this person yeah. out of my life. I still want to know what they're doing. I don't want them to know they've affected me but I want some control over my experience with them. Yeah, I think that's really great. The restrict is really, really smart. Uh, and then you can mute an account too, so that mm -hmm. you don't actually unfollow them. You just don't need to see their stuff. I use that so actively. There's plenty okay. of people I love dearly, but I'm just about done with pictures of their dog. I'm like, these are great. But yeah. I, you know, I'd rather make the conscious choice to go to your profile and take a look at it than yeah. constantly be inundated with your content. And yeah, it's a great tool. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really great. And you know, I, I think even with this close friends list, you know, I use my account. My account is a business account, so mm -hmm. I don't share personal things on there. And my social media manager, she manages the account for me, mm -hmm. and. And so to know that, you know, some of my friends, I can send them a cute little story or whatever. That's just personal. Yeah. I love that idea. So I didn't know any of that. Um, here's what I what I really like is that you, you know, when we talk about bullying, you you do have some safeguards in place that you've already put in place to really what. And these are your words, not mine, to make Instagram a safe place, right? To make it more of a community. Mm -hmm. And so you already have some filters that block you know, undesirable phrases, words, mm -hmm. uh, and some examples in, in the parent's guide. Um, and so there's blocking, there's filtering. And, uh, and, and so when you put in like, you suck, for example, uh, there's a little warning that comes up like, are you sure you want to, are you sure you want to say this? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So talk about that a little bit more, because I think that's really, really a refreshing, um, something really refreshing as part of the app. That's great. Yeah, you know, I think it really reflects a layered approach to understanding harassment and bullying as it plays out online. There is no one magic tool that's going to just eliminate it. And um, harassment and bullying is extremely contextual. It's extremely specific to each person. And so we have a couple of different layers. The, the kind of the first most obvious layer is we have automated technology running across our comments that will automatically detect and delete comments that are seen to be abusive. But again, what 
what's abusive is extremely contextual for a lot for most abuse. So the next thing that we do then is we have um, friction when you're actually typing out a comment. So if you're typing a comment that we know, I know in the past has been reported several times as be something that people find abusive, then we ask you, hey, are you sure that you want to post this comment? Um, and then if you go ahead and post it anyway, because there may be good reasons to post it. Um, one example I like to give, and I'm going to apologize for using um, a, a, a bad word right now, but you know the word that the term like you know hey, bitch, can be interpreted in many different ways. Yeah, good, good example. Right. It could be abuse. It could be you, like, talking to your friend. It could be you posting a picture with your dog, right? There's so many different options. And so because it's so contextual, we'll still let you post it. But then, of course, like, we've given you a warning. Hey, think about what you're posting. Um, and then we have comment filters. So these are, are these recognize that everyone has different thresholds for what they consider to be abusive. So you can actually go in and type in words into your comment filter and your messages filter. So what we call kind of like hidden words. Um, and it'll filter those types of comments and DMs out for you so that they'll be put in a separate folder. You can go and read them, you know, when you want to read them, but they're not necessarily going to be like, um, uh, surface to you up front. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, we have you know, your standard, your reporting, your blocking options. So it really is a pretty like layered approach from mm. like, what can we do on our end to reduce the burden for you? But also recognizing that there's some things that we will never know if it's abuse or not, unless you tell us or you indicate in some way that this is unwanted. And in those cases, let's give you ways to like control your experience. Yeah. Oh, I, I, lo I love that. And I think a layered approach is exactly what you need. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the, the really, so at the, 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 the first approach is the filter of the language. And then really it, the, the, the last resort is the, the reporting, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so what exactly happens when you report someone or a post or a comment, what, what happens? So when you report um, a comment or a private message, uh, we have content moderators who work 24-7 around the world who are constantly reviewing your reports. Um, we take it in and we decide whether it violates our policies or not. If it violates our policies, we may remove the content. And over time, if someone posts violating content repeatedly, we may remove their account altogether. Uh, and if it doesn't violate our policies, we will... Uh, well, we won't take the content down, but either way, we'll come back to you and let you know. And so under support requests, which is this great section we have within Instagram, um, you can actually see the status of your reports. I think one thing that comes up all the time is that people just don't know what's happened to their report. And so I think um, support requests is a really valuable way for you to see um, what's actually the status, what's going on with what you reported to us. Yeah, and, and I will say again that the parent's guide goes through this step-by-step -step with screenshots of every step where you mm -hmm. find things, like I, I'd never heard of support requests, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that was a thing. So that you you also look if somebody reports you, right? That's your recourse to go back and see that as well. So so that is that's really good. Um, and and what it does, you know, talking to you today and also knowing all of this is it shows you're not a, a just a big faceless monster of a company. You know, you really are caring and really trying to do what's best for your users, which I think is what what that's all we can ask for is that you care about the users as well, right? 
Thank you. No, I mean, the reality is that, you know, Facebook and Instagram um, have many parents working, working at the company or were staffed by parents throughout the company. So these are issues that kind of really personally impact people. I firmly believe that when you are personally invested in the work that you do, it really shines through. So, um, you know, as much as possible, we're trying to be as transparent and um, receptive to feedback as possible, recognizing that we're a very large platform. Instagram is a huge platform dealing with many, mm. many different types of communities on the on the service. How can we make sure that we're rolling out changes that really keep everybody safe, that don't compromise anybody's safety in the process? It's really mm. important to me. I mean, I've been um, I've been in this space for over a decade. I've done, you know, this particular type of work, safety and well-being work at a, at a number of different tech companies. Um, and I'm always just really moved by how passionate people are about this work. It's hard work. It really takes a toll on your resilience, on your health. And I think it's really important for us to like be there for one another. Um, and it speaks to like how impactful it is. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's such a good point. Yeah, of course you have parents that work at Instagram. Of course you do. And of course they care because they're yeah. going through the same things that you are as a parent as well. Right. And their kids are using Instagram. So that's a really great point. I mean, talk about making it relevant. That's, that's right. yeah, that, that, that makes so much sense. So, okay, so this is good. So we've talked about a lot of these sort of technical features, mm -hmm. uh, which, which I think is really good. And, and, and you also talk about something that every parent wants to talk about is time management on the device, right? Mm -hmm. So you can actually go in and go to the activity dashboard and just see how much time uh, your, your child is using, how much time you're using, let's be honest, right? Like how much yeah. time have you been on it as well, right? And, and with that, so you can see it, but you also give some conversation starters yeah. later on in the guide to help parents to sort of say, okay, hey, like we need to talk about this. I don't know where to start, you know, yeah. because it's very difficult. We're talking about teenagers here and mm -hmm. there are conversation enders that are a guarantee to end a conversation. And we don't want to go there. We want to, we want our kids to open up. So I, I just want to say, you know, thank you for having that help because parents need to know the words to say sometimes. Completely. And, you know, I, I think about this a lot. I think parenting today just looks so different than parenting did. I mean, when I was being parented as a child, I think about what, you know, my parents approach was versus versus what parents approach is are, are like today. Um, there's a genuine recognition that like young people have strong opinions and thoughts. And so really starting from a place of like mutual trust and communication is really important. One thing you'll notice with the conversation starters is that there's not a lot of like judgment baked into them. They're actually very open-ended, like tell me more about your experience. Tell me what you find interesting about this particular account. You know, what makes you follow this person? And it's really a way for parents to understand their teen or their kid's psyche. And then based on that, kind of come to an arrangement that works for both people. Because, I mean, you know, in an ideal scenario, there is a lot of like love and mutual respect between a, a child and their parents. And so really tapping into that and saying like, this is not something that I'm doing as a blocker or to kind of deny you your fun. This is something that I'm doing to actually enhance your experience online, to make sure that you're having the best of the internet in a safe and healthy way, I think can be a really 
really nice way to pivot the conversation. So our parents guide has lots of tips on this. We also, um, at the start of last year, rolled out a huge set of resources for parents, students, and educators called Get Digital, where we have a number of like active activities that people can do. I know a lot of parents had to homeschool their kids for a big portion of, of last year. So those mm-hmm. activities, conversation starters, um, kind of joint exercises, really provide them with the resources that they need to kind of have these really tough navigational challenges with their, with their kids. Yeah. You know what? The communication with your child is key and Mm -hmm. it isn't something that should start now. It should start, you know, way earlier on and connection with your child is everything. So when we have these conversation starters and we want to talk about this conversation, uh, you know, one of the things that I I would like to add in is that let's make sure you are in a space where you are open-minded and open-hearted and you are going in and you're asking with curiosity. You're not asking as a statement in disguise, Mm -hmm. right? You're not saying, oh, so why do you follow this person and already have the idea of the answer Mm -hmm. in your head? Like, let's listen to what our kids say, please. We need to talk a lot less and we need to listen to them and ask more questions. If you don't get the answer, if if the answer they give you doesn't explain it, then you say, okay, can, can you tell me more? You know, I'm not sure that I get it. Can you tell me more? Uh, Because it's important that you understand. And it's also important you don't shut your team down because that just, and if you just take the device away, what that does is it just hones their skills at, you know, lie detection or not lie detection, but at lying at um, Mm -hmm. being sneaky right? And we don't want that. We want this to be open and honest, but we also have to be real with our kids that when you have access to the internet, you have access to, or predators have access to you as well, right? And so we need to be real about this and we need to have those open and honest conversations. So I think everything that we've talked about is really good. Uh, And I think that you have a list of resources that are extremely valuable. They are for there for places if you are in a crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me about that list. I've printed out the list here. It's very comprehensive. Yeah. So, you know, providing resources is a really big part of the work that we do um, at Instagram and at Facebook more generally. Uh, We have a number of different types of tips. So if you are in a moment of crisis um, and you post something that suggests that uh, we send you resources with links to hotlines, um, with some tips on how to slow down in a crisis and Mm -hmm. with the opportunity to really talk to a friend, we found that, you know, a lot of people generally just want the chance to talk to someone about what they're going through. But we're also thinking a lot about more specific resources. For example, if you're um, looking for content that's related to, you know, negative body image or eating Mm -hmm. disorders, something that, you know, we increasingly see a lot of like socially in society. Um, Just uh, earlier this year, we rolled out a series of new resources that we developed in partnership with the National Eating Disorder Association in the U.S. that contains very specific tips on how to think about 
your current episode of, you know, disordered eating or what you're going through as you look for this content. Um, I think it's important for us to intervene at the right point. So if someone is searching for a term like say eating disorders, then we'll mm -hmm. surface those resources to them. We've also brought on board a number of eating disorder hotlines uh, globally who can really provide localized support for something that you're going through. And we surface those numbers within the app as well so that it's easier for you to get connected to some help. There's a number of other resources we offer in a couple of other places. We have um, we have our emotional impact hub um, that really looks at providing a range of resources for people who might be going through um, emotional or mental challenges during, you know, period of COVID. We launched that last year and um, we're going to continue building that up. Um, and we have uh, on Instagram launched well-being guides last year, which I think were great. These are uh, guides, so the kind of the guide product where you can curate content from different parts of Instagram and then put it into one handy guide for um, all of your followers to see. And oh. so we did that in partnership with a number of um, safety and well-being organizations where they put together guides around mental health, suicide, loneliness, depression, and really like amplified those resources to the people who are following them. So it's a really important thing for us. Um, I don't think we can do enough of it. I'm constantly advocating that we do yeah. more of that and we're going to continue doing more of that. Well, thank you. That's great. That's really great. Now, I have a question that, um, you know, that I that I know bothers a lot of parents, and it is that with with platforms like Instagram and and other social media that like begets like. So when we talk about some, you know, body image, or we talk about cutting, let's say. Mm -hmm and you do search for something like that, you do start to see more of that in your feed. How can we stop that? Because it really narrows your perspective of the world, right? When you start to see that. So that is a problem that I know a lot of parents see and it scares them. So a couple of things there. Um, we don't allow any content that promotes or glorifies suicide or self-harm. Um, and that would include, you know, uh, um, eating disorders. I'd include eating disorders in that category of self-harm, uh, which means that that content wouldn't be surfaced to you even if you were searching for it because we would remove that from our platforms directly. Okay, no, I don't know that parents know that. So that's good to know. That said, um, there's another category of content that we have to be really careful about, and it's people who admit to having feelings of depression or suicide or self-harm. Um, there's a very careful balance we have to strike there, and we've been in extensive consultations with our mental health experts and our suicide and self-injury uh, self experts for many years about this, where we do not inadvertently trigger someone who is reaching out with a cry for help to their community, telling them that they're having suicidal thoughts, mm -hmm. telling their community that they're struggling with depression. If we then take down that content, that can be incredibly triggering and impactful on the person. It could you know, lead to harm that we would not want to, to generate. But 
we don't necessarily want to amplify that content. And so it's not, we wouldn't necessarily recommend that content to you. Um, we mark a lot of content as sensitive when it includes things like visuals of um, healed cuts, for example. Um, and in those cases, we will not recommend that content. So even if you went searching for it or in your explore feed, you wouldn't see that content. Um, even if you have a history of searching for a similar um, uh, uh, types of posts. So it's a very delicate balance that we have to strike. I think that's also why I think resources and community support is so important because a lot of people who post to social media are posting to form a connection and to really get help to ask someone, what do I do? I'm feeling this way. The last thing we want to do is shut them down or make them feel like they can't do that. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think so there are there, you know, I'm thinking there's two sort of categories. One is somebody who account is all about self harm mm -hmm. uh, versus somebody who is having a mental health crisis mm -hmm. right now uh, and is saying, look, I want to be honest with everybody. I'm feeling really down right now. I'm feeling, you know, so whatever. So that's the kind of content you, you don't want to take down because that's an honest representation of what that person is going through. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that clarification. And, um, and I'm happy to hear that you are putting some stops in place so that that kind of content doesn't continue to grow and be shared. That's really important to us. Yeah. Good. Okay. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, because that I think is, is one of the things that scares parents the most, right. Is like, what if my child is not happy right now, let's say, mm -hmm. and maybe we don't know it and they go into the dark recesses of these. And, and I say this with air quotes because a lot of times we don't know what we don't know and we don't know what they can access. We don't know what's out there, what isn't out there. Um, and so sometimes instead of just finding out, we just pull stuff away. And really sometimes the devices and the apps like, like Instagram, they are helping, right? Mm -hmm. They're not just hurting. And so we have to look at it both ways, right? Exactly. I think you have to think about that ratio that most people find like connection and meaningful interactions online, especially on apps like Instagram. Um, and then, of course, there's always going to be a, you know, a category of content that is harmful uh, that we can do our best to remove or reduce the visibility of. But I think having a very kind of holistic approach to what a safe online experience looks like, and it kind of comes back to what you were saying before so well about having that conversation with your teens from a position of, you know, curiosity and non-judgment and spending more time listening than kind of putting your own opinions on what they're going through. I think you put that so well, and it's so important to do. Mm, thank you. Well, that's great. Thank you for this conversation. And I think that what I'm hearing you say in, in an overarching way is that we are tackling the things that um, are not good for, for people in general, that are not good for kids, are not good for the, the users of your app. And, and, I, and, and what makes me feel good about that is, is that I, is that I know you're also looking towards the future. You're looking for the next thing that is going to harm people. So this is what, this is what you're all about. And I think it's really nice to know that. So uh, any last words that you have for parents listening? 
Uh, not really. I think we've had such a rich conversation. I hope that this is helpful to parents as they're thinking about their children's experience online. Um, we're always in listening mode, so always happy to hear feedback. And thank you for having me on and for having such a kind of frank, candid conversation about this. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. And the comprehensive parent guide is available at the parent in the parent toolbox so parent-toolbox.com you can get that and uh, and thank you again for being here uh, this has been a help to a lot of parents thank you so much thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast parenting our future i'm parent coach robin mcmahon and if you're enjoying this podcast please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message and don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.